We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. to the Rotowire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson for the first time in two weeks. Uh, we made the executive decision to skip the holiday week podcast. Um, and I, th- I think I stand by that decision. I think that was the right call. Uh, but now we're back and we have a ton to get to. Would you say that this is the most that you and I combined have prepped for one of these podcasts in probably like eight months, pretty much since the draft? No. I can't remember. There was one that I prepped for. I swear. We did one a few weeks ago. I think when we did over-unders, okay. we prepped. So that was in September. Okay, so maybe I overshot it a little maybe, bit. It's been like four months. I don't know if you did this much prep, though. Um, I saw you... I, I saw you prepping tens of minutes before we record, that's, that's, yeah. which is something that I haven't seen in a long time. Um, well, first of all, I want to 
air you out a little bit. I've talked to you about this in private. Uh, there's If you follow James on Twitter, which hopefully you do, or if you follow Rotowire on Twitter, you've been seeing something called the, the hashtag RDI the last couple of days, uh, which is the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational Baseball League. And you guys are really hamming this thing up on Twitter. And I was not invited to the league. Most of the guys in the office weren't invited into the league. What is the RDI, and why wasn't I specifically invited to the RDI? Well, it's a from-scratch Dynasty Baseball League, 20 teams, 40-man rosters, so 800 players. Uh, I only invited two people from the office, and it might have been you know one or two too many, to be honest with you, but uh invited Clay Link wow. and, and Derek Van Riper, a uh, couple baseball guys on staff, and... Uh, Clay's our MLB editor, obviously. Uh, Derek Van Riper helps out with the the baseball magazine and does some of the baseball podcasts. But yeah, it was more of a kind of get people from other companies into the league, and then we can all kind of turn it into content for our respect the respective sites that we work for. So uh, didn't really see a need to extend an invite to you. Also didn't think you would be a great addition to the league if you had accepted the okay, invite that's so. subjective <laughs> well i mean the biggest question i guess for me at this point is how many people would have had to say no until i would have been on the list for the invite was i like was that you know there, I, I think a better there. question is like how many more people in the office would i have asked before yeah, that, i got that's to fair you? sure yeah. so i mean this is a 20 team league right right, right. so was so, i where was i on the list like 22 23 <laughs> so I mean, you weren't really on the list, but like, if we're just talking about people in the office that I would have asked before you, mm-hmm. uh, I probably would have asked Shannon. I probably would have asked Kevin. Okay. I probably would have asked. I mean, Mario. Think of anybody else? I, I, Mario, maybe. Uh, hmm. Okay. At this point, I'd probably start considering it not being a twenty-team league and just try to start <laughs> fitting. Maybe it we to... would just scrap the league if it got that far. <laughs> Uh, well, no, that's fair. Uh, I've always said, and do you um, feel left out? Uh, is this what this is? I didn't initially, <laughs> but you guys have just been tweeting about it so much that I honestly felt like the tweets were directed at me. Right. You know, you're tweeting out every pick. You're talking about how cool. Uh, feel the free to unfollow. Is. Um, no, I might, I might just mute anything that includes the letters. R. Would D you be more I. likely to unfollow me for continuing to heavily tweet about this league over the next few weeks? Or no, if I posted fine. one more Luka Doncic? <laughs> Jeff, would you would you, Honestly, you need to vary it because you've been posting the same one over and over well it's the best one it is well it's the only one that you <laughs> No, made. i've i've created how many do you one? have i created i've created two so two. far okay well are you i've been slacking i don't two? i don't have uh as much time carved into my schedule to create luca don't sure. gifs as i'd like uh hopefully that'll open up more as we get closer to the draft and i can really start claiming uh, pole position on this bandwagon, which I think I've I think kind of, have. I think I've established that. Yeah, and I that's mean, really all I'm trying to do. Yeah, I mean, prayers up. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you have more time to start making more gifts of an 18 year old kid. Um, okay, well, we actually have surprisingly we do have a lot to get to. I feel like I say that in every podcast, and typically we don't, but we, now we actually do. Uh, a couple newsworthy items to get into before we. Talk about the best contracts in the NBA right now. That'll be the main focus of the episode. But um, Gerald Green is back in the NBA. That happened about 30 minutes ago. Uh, he's not officially with the Houston Rockets, but Houston Chronicle 
Woj both uh, both reporting that Gerald Green will be joining the Houston Rockets perhaps as early as tonight. Uh, as fate would have it, the Rockets play in Boston tonight. That's a TNT game. Gerald Green, of course, last played for Boston, so he's still just hanging out in Boston. Uh, and he's basically just going to meet the team there and could be playing tonight. Uh, the Rockets are without Troy Williams, I believe, and Luke Richard and Bahamute. So this will be a non-guaranteed deal for Green. We see this every now and then. I think it's going to be just like Josh Smith when he came back and played like two weeks for the Pelicans earlier this year. Gerald Green will probably play like six games, a total of eight minutes, and then be on his way. But uh, I wanted to ask you quickly, Gerald Green, of course, is a, a favorite of mine for a number of reasons. How many of the teams that Gerald Green has played for throughout his career, he came into the league in 05, how many of those teams can you name? There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different teams. All right. Celtics, Suns, Heat, uh three for three so far raptors he did not play for the raptors i think you're probably thinking of jamario moon (laughs) how dare you try to think who i'm thinking of um did he get some run with the nets he did that's where he had that alley-oop windmill dunk right oh right yep yep, of course uh let's see did he play I mean, he seems like a guy that would have played with the Blazers, but he totally does. But he has not played for them. That wasn't a final. I agree with that you. Maybe he played guess. with them in summer league or something. We're just counting regular season appearances. Uh, Sixers? No, another good guess. <laughs> really, kind of peppering crappy mm-hmm. Eastern Conference teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm going to give up at this point. Okay, so he's played for the Rockets. He played okay. four minutes for the Rockets in 2007. So this will be his second second term. Uh, in Houston, technically. Did you say Dallas? I did not. Okay, so Dallas is six. Did you say Minnesota? I did not. That's seven. That was the site of the cupcake blowing out dunk contest, right? He was a wolf at that point? I mean, I, I you was. could have told me exactly about that dunk, mm-hmm. and I would have remembered everything about it except what team sure. he played for. And he also played for the Pacers. I, they would have been uh, my next guest, but he was I didn't on want to keep great listing Pacers off terrible that, Pacers. That gave the Heat a run for its yeah. money. Uh, and then, did you say Miami? Yeah. Okay, Miami. So that's all of them. Uh, wasn't that fun? That was fun. Which team do you think, do you remember him most for being on? Honestly, I, th- I think maybe Minnesota, even though uh-huh. he spent only 29 games there. I would have put the, I would have guessed that he spent at least like two years there. I think Celtics. Celtics? Okay. Uh, I mean, he did have two separate stints. Mm-hmm. Until today, he started and ended his career with the Celtics. And he actually got some run for them in the playoffs last year. I mean, enough. he's been he was a serviceable player off the bench. He was for at least a stretch in the past like two or three years. Yeah. I can't can you remember where that was, but like no, it, Phoenix, I, he was good. Yeah. I mean in thirteen fourteen he played in all eighty two games, averaged yeah, twenty eight minutes and averaged sixteen points a game. Wasn't that the team was that the team that was supposed to be awful and ended up like winning forty yeah. games? Somehow? They were forty eight yeah. and thirty four. Yeah. That was a team whose Leading scorers on the year were Goran Dragic, Eric Bledsoe, Gerald Green, Markeith Morris, Channing Frye. Right. So there was just no, there was no I in that team. No. Uh, well, there was Ish Smith, right. but other than that, there <laughs> were no 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 other eyes. Uh, okay, so we'll, we'll keep this quick. Baron Davis is mm. apparently dating that girl from Big Little Lies. And She's got I, a name. That's all I know her from. <laughs> I'm told she was in some other, some indie films, Jurassic Park. Laura Dern. Star Wars. 
<laughs> Has she been in Star Wars? Actually, yeah. yeah, she was in the last one. Yeah, right. Um, I think Baron Davis probably was waiting for her to be in another true blockbuster to make sure that she was in his well, in his wheelhouse. Here? Who's dating up and who's dating down? I think she's dating up um, personally, just because I I you know I mean if Baron Davis was just going for looks, mm-hmm. uh, I think he could do significantly better but i think yes. he's clearly someone and you know there are i i think there are a lot of guys like this where uh, a woman's uh success in her field is like a a part of the attraction like sure. you, you don't want to just be dating someone who's just kind of completely relying on you for everything um and so like you know she's she's a very accomplished actress and so i think that that's part of the the appeal for him uh I mean, I don't know how many other former all-star NBA players she could date if she set her mind to it. So I don't know if right. that's... I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that he's for Was sure... Keith Van Horn ever an all-star? <laughs> I mean, Keith Van Horn looks like he could be related to her. Uh but yeah, I mean, like wow. it's <laughs> that was not a compliment, was it? <laughs> well, I mean, she's she's great. Uh, she's a divorcee, by the way. Right. And according to our good friends at Wikipedia, friend of the podcast, she also dated Kyle McLaughlin, who mm-hmm. I believe is the mayor on Portlandia, and probably has done a lot more other things than that. Have you seen Portlandia? I love Portlandia. Yeah, have you seen Portlandia? No. No, well, it's good. Are you surprised that I've seen I'm Portlandia? Very surprised. Okay, yeah, I like it a lot. And she's also dated people named Rennie Harlan, Jeff Goldblum, right. Billy Bob Thornton, who I believe was nominated or won an Emmy for one of our favorite shows, Fargo. Mm-hmm. And I listed this one last on purpose Nicolas Cage. Mm. Uh, so I think Baron Davis is probably a step up from all those guys. Uh,. I mean, we're in really. I, I'm just not an expert on on determining who who's a step up from who in any of this because sure. it's it's just very complicated waters where we're dealing in here. We don't really we know. We haven't seen anything like this. We don't have all the facts. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is it. It really is kind of unprecedented, just because <laughs> you know it, it's what what's Baron Davis like up to right now? I mean, I know he's occasionally like, showing up on like you know area 21 and no like that he's, type of he's stuff. Like, like pretty involved in the hollywood scene i think now. is he okay yeah, he's even at the end of his career he was into producing and things like that interesting um okay last question on this Lord wait Dern. wait wait i have one more quick question before your last question do you think he's dating her in any way to try to get a leg up in hollywood yeah I think that's very possible. <laughs> that's very possible. I think um, I think that was my first thought when I saw that photo <laughs> yesterday. But you never know. Uh, maybe she's dating him to get a leg up in the NBA world. My first my first thought was that like she might have been really aggressive in the courtship process, and he was just kind of like, well, eh, you know, why not? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that's very possible. So she, Baron Davis, is thirty eight. She's fifty. That begs the question, is Laura Dern a cougar? <laughs> uh, I think that's the definition, right? Uh, or I guess would you, would a cougar, if you know, would a cougar, if they're 50, be going for like 25, 26? What, what's the cutoff? It's, it's supposed to be half your age plus seven, right? 
Is it? Okay. Yeah, that's kind of the general rule. Okay. So that would put it at 32 as a minimum for okay. her. So, so she's, she's, not, she's well above she's that. Not she's cougar. officially not a cougar? Okay. He, he officially has no hair on his head. Um, I mean... Yeah, that is true. I didn't think that, of it like that's, that. That's factual. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay do you do you want to touch on Luka Doncic do you have any updates on anything or just just a quick kind of get his name in here uh well I will I will just say this if if you're talking you know I I, I was listening to a prominent NBA podcast recently and they were talking about the the point guards from this upcoming draft class uh if you if you're going to list Doncic as a point guard he needs to be the first point guard out yes. of your mouth you can't be saying Trey Young and Luka Doncic it's Luka Doncic you talk about him for like 10-15 minutes then maybe you get to Colin Sexton or Trey Young uh I do you think of him as a point guard because and and a do you a do you think of him as a point guard b do you subscribe to uh the philosophy that you are what you can guard like whereas like like he can't guard any point guards uh, I don't. You probably could, well. I mean, right? I don't. Point I mean, he could guard some point. I don't guard, think sure. you look at him and say like, "Man, this guy is going to get roasted on D." No, no. I think he's going to be a really solid defender against twos and threes. Uh, yeah, I think you. If but he switches out onto a point guard, you're, it's not the end of the world. Like I think of him as sort of more in that uh, Ben Simmons, James Harden. Like you might be the primary distributor, but you're going back and you're mm-hmm. guarding a shooting guard, you're guarding a yeah. small forward, a po- uh, power forward. You're not a traditional point guard. Like, I, I don't know. He's a tough guy to classify right. in that. In that Harden's respect. a decent comp. I mean, I think that's, that seems lofty. Not now, in, like, not in like what I think their games are going to yeah, be yeah. like, but just in that right. you're playing point guard, but you're not a, really yeah, a point I guard. I think like a C.J. McCollum type of guy. Sure. You know, it's like a gun to your head if you're like, if somebody for whatever reason was about to kill you, if you didn't say the right position, like you'd say he's a shooting guard, but he can play point guard. Yeah, I think he's a two first, then then kind of a one slash three, whichever, you know, however you want to line him up. Um, but I mean, I don't think his stock has really changed at all. I guess if we want to talk about it in that regard, he's still to me a top three guy for sure. You know, as good as Bagley's been, as good as Aiton has been, and as good as someone like Trey Young has been. First of all, Trey Young's not in that category. No matter how well he plays, there's still a cap on what his stock is going to be. As we said last time, we talked about him. Uh, but I would, I would say right now, no, no domestic player has been so, so good that I think you would say they're, they're a for sure lock to go number one ahead of Doncic. I, I think, you know, my guess is if you did a, a GM straw poll right now. Doncic would be one or two in terms of you know who would you expect to go number one overall yeah I think he would be one and I've I've heard it kind of put this way like you know he's playing I mean he's the best player in his league which is a league Mm -hmm. with much better players than NCAA basketball like if you just took your random good NCAA player and put them in uh the Eurobasket, like they're you're you're getting like fifteen, twenty minutes a game maybe. Like that it's just pretty close to unheard of for a player his age, A playing as well as he's playing, mm-hmm. but B like even seeing the minutes he's seeing. Yes. And like the idea that like Bagley or Aiton looks really impressive against NCAA guys, to me that's not as impressive as Doncich looking as good as he does against the the competition he's going up against. And he's yeah. beaten, and he's in the the last uh, 
What was the last like international competition where he was playing? That was Euro Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, that was over the summer, right? Yeah, like he was playing up against um, teams with you know guys like Porzingis and stuff like that, and he was holding his own against right. NBA players. Whereas like Bagley yeah. and Aiton have never held their own against NBA players before. Right. I, th- I think for casual fans and and I would even consider myself very casual fan when it comes to looking at euro ball it's like the numbers aren't going to jump off the page you know when you like my my one of my friends yesterday was asking me like who is this Luka Doncic guy which I think a lot of casual basketball fans are starting to ask themselves as his name you know becomes more mainstream um and, and basically what I told him was you know this is probably the most complete European prospect that I can remember you know at this age especially you know, and people thought that about Hazonia. People probably thought that about Bargnani when they came out, and it's much easier to say in hindsight. But usually the, the hype for these type of guys starts building in the months leading up to the draft, not in the months leading up to the previous draft. You know, like we knew, and a lot of people knew about Luka Doncic this time last year. Like with Porzingis, I didn't know I'd, I had never heard that guy's name until, what, February, March of the year before he got drafted. Like Doncic has been the guy in Europe for a while. I mean, Ricky Rubio is maybe the only comparable European guy that you really w- was think, kind of a household name before the draft. Right. And he, he also impressed on the international level and that's kind of where he made his name, but he wasn't, if I remember correctly, he was playing maybe 18, 20 minutes a game over there before he got drafted. And then uh, like Frank Nielakina last year, like compare don't hitch his numbers and Neil Akina's numbers from last year. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not even in the same stratosphere really. So uh, yeah, I think he's the apps. He should be the heavy favorite to go number one. If there's some kind of like place where you can bet on this and it's a uh, American leaning site, like if, if it's Vegas or something like that, you might even be able to get him at odds that aren't, the favorite maybe there's a place where you can find Bagley or Aiton as the favorite and I'd, mm-hmm. I'd jump all over that so what I mean it's still pretty early but what would be like a realistic expectation for Doncic is I mean a lot of these European prospects end up requiring a little bit more of an adjustment period I mean Neil is a good example um I mean is Doncic even at his his younger age is he is the expectation that he's going to step in you know for what's probably a bad team like let's say he goes to Atlanta mm-hmm. is he just Atlanta starting two next year right away like is he that good uh I think he would be yeah I think Budenholzer is a, a pretty smart coach but he might not be there next year um but I think a, a smart coach would do what Brett Brown did with Ben Simmons where you just kind of make him the point guard even if it doesn't might not make a ton of sense like right away I just think your your ceiling as a team is so much higher if he gets the ball in his hands as much as possible so I would I'd make him the point guard from day one uh, pretty much wherever he goes and I think he'll have kind of the same type of immediate impact that uh, Simmons is having not necessarily the same type of way I mean he, he can shoot obviously he's not going to get as many rebounds per game as Simmons but like I don't think there's gonna be really much of an adjustment period for him at all like I think he's just gonna come in and and be pretty clearly a, a guy that b- belongs in a starting lineup a guy that should be getting 30 plus minutes a game mm-hmm. he might not shoot all that great as rookie year but like I mean he I think he'll shoot above 
you know, 40, 42% from the field. I think he'll shoot above 30% from three. It's going to, there might be a couple more years before he actually gets to, to become a, a truly efficient scorer, but I, I think he'll be a, a net positive on both sides of the ball mm-hmm. right away. All right, James, let's take a quick break so I can tell the listeners about FanDuel. It's the middle of the fantasy basketball season, which means that it is FanDuel season. There are no busted seasons on FanDuel, and there's something for everyone. Tons of contests to choose from, starting at just $1. All you have to do is pick a contest, select your players, and watch your score rack up in real time. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new FanDuel users, you can sign up today at FanDuel.com RW. That'll get you a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel. Again, just visit FanDuel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. Okay, let's talk quickly about Trey Young. Uh, we won't spend too much time on him. The, the, over the holidays, the college basketball season is so spaced out that not that much really happens. But he had 22 assists You know, almost two weeks ago now, had another huge game in, in Oklahoma's last game. I was looking at some mocks last night, and and unfortunately, Draft Express is no longer, so there's not really a, a kingpin source for looking at these things this time of year. But I, I looked at a couple mocks. Some still have him in the teens. Some still have him in the in the early twenties. Maybe ones that haven't been as updated, uh, you know, as recently. But I think it was Bleacher Report, either Bleacher Report or SB Nation, uh, that I read that w- had him at six, and that's pretty high, but. You know, we we kind of compared him loosely to Steph Curry on the last pod, and I mean, where did Curry go? Seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that range. Like, it's not, it wouldn't be unheard of for an undersized, skinny guard who can shoot the lights out and has these intangible skills to creep his way that high. I still would be surprised, I guess, if if he goes that high, but it's certainly looking more realistic now that he goes in the top ten or even the top eight uh, than it did maybe two weeks ago. Yeah, I think it's. It's going to be a fascinating debate in a lot of front offices just what to do with his production relative to the stuff that you're going to be able to measure at a, at a combine because mm-hmm. his his numbers relative to freshman guards are pretty historic. You're not going to be able to find many comparisons, and if you are able to find something close, that guy probably went on to be a, a hell of an NBA player. Uh so I think any kind of projection system that you have is going to spit out something telling you that he's a top five pick. Mm-hmm. So then you kind of have to go from there and work backwards and just kind of say, well, he's probably not a top five pick. Is he a top 10 pick based on what we think he can do against NBA caliber athletes? Uh, I mean, I think that, I think if he keeps going on this track, I think he probably goes back half of the top 10 just because the production is just going to be too much to ignore at a certain point in the draft. Once you have guys like Michael Porter go off the board, uh, you know, I think it's Trey young versus Colin Sexton's a lot closer today than I ever mm-hmm. thought it would be. And so I, I think there's a chance he could go ahead of a guy like yeah. Sexton. Uh, I think he absolutely could go ahead of guys like Miles Brid- miles bridges. I don't even know if Robert Williams is even a lottery pick anymore. Um, I think he is kind of by default. Honestly, <laughs> sure. I, that, that's that's. But the the write ups that I read last night on Williams basically said that it was like he hasn't gotten any better, but he hasn't gotten any worse. Um, I mean, guys like McCall Bridges from Villanova, like that's kind of an interesting mm-hmm. debate. Uh, you know, uh, Knox from Kentucky, like he's in that. He's 
worked his way into that kind of mix that sort mm-hmm. of outside of the top four or five guys he's he's right in that next tier he's kind of in that situation <clears throat> excuse me that Malik Monk was in last year where you know you had your top nine or ten guys that were basically consensus in some order and then you have to start making the decision of Kennard versus Malik Monk you know a more proven guy versus the higher upside guy and I think there are going to be teams sitting in that eight to 15 range that you know maybe played it safe the last couple years maybe haven't had a pick the last couple years something like that and if you want to swing for the fences in that area of the draft which you know oftentimes you're just kind of choosing between maybe you get your eighth man for the future or you you swing at a guy you know who could be really good like Trey Young or could be out of the league in three years I think that's where where teams are gonna have to start making that decision but where would or go ahead no go ahead where would be a a good landing spot for him like I mean to me he's a guy where I definitely think it really matters where he goes well LeBron likes him Cleveland can take him (laughs) with that Brooklyn pick (laughs) no I mean let's see let's I mean Charlotte we'll talk about this in a little bit but Kemba Walker's contract's up after next year you know that wouldn't be the worst to groom him whether you trade Kemba whether you keep Kemba through the end of his deal next year you groom Trey Young as as your kind of future guy I mean, I I hate to like say Sacramento, Phoenix, Orlando because all those teams just whoever goes there seems to just immediately fall off a cliff. But those teams could all use them. What do you think um, about the Pacers? Pacers would certainly be interesting. I like Corey Joseph a lot, but I think at this point, you know, his upside is what it is. Darren Collison obviously is getting Clippers? close to thirty. Clippers would be interesting. They have Juwan Evans though. You know how uh, I feel about Juwan mm. Evans, so I wouldn't I wouldn't want to get in the way of his point guard of the future. Um. I mean, Philly has two picks right, right now in the top 14. You know, the the protections on one of those could end up changing things. But those are the type of things, you know, where we've t- we talk about this all the time around draft season when there's teams that have multiple first-round picks as, you know, the, the Blazers were one of those teams last year. Um, you know, you're more willing to maybe use one of those on a gamble pick. To and me, I, I should clarify, by the way, Trey Young is probably beyond the point where he's just like crazy gamble pick, right? I mean the production. Yeah. Like said, oh yeah. Well, at this point, like it's not. And like we've he's... like we've talked about uh, ever, ever since we started talking about this draft class. Outside of the top four or five guys, everyone's got mm-hmm. their. Everyone's got like a relatively low floor, and yes, some have high ceilings. But like, yeah, I mean, if you take Trey Young at pick six. No one's going to be right. like, oh, man, I can't believe you passed on Kevin like, Knox. Yeah, yeah like, that's exactly like, what I was know, thinking. Like, like, I don't think there it wouldn't be that much of a reach unless you took him over Doncic, Bagley, right. Bamba, Aiton, which I just don't see happening. Now, I think it, I think whoever takes him needs to have the conviction that he is going to be a primary ball handler for yes. them um, very early on. Like, I don't think like like you mentioned Philly. I get it in the sense that he would help their floor spacing, but I just don't – I think that him off the ball is just a really bad NBA player because he's gonna he's not going to be able to guard anyone, like, at all. Like, point guards, shooting guards, he's not going to be able to guard anyone. So he needs to be – like, you need to maximize him on the offensive end, and if he's, if he's not playing with the ball in his hands, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. You know, a place like – the Knicks, like I think he'd be maybe an interesting combo with Nilakina, where uh, Nilakina guards the the best offensive player on the other on the other team from the guard spot, and then he, uh, you know, handles the ball on the offensive end. I mean, there's there's places where it would work. I just I don't want him to go to a situation where he's 
like the clear backup point guard or he's going to be asked to play some off ball like to me that that right. would be kind of setting him up to fail yeah and then we, we touched on that a little bit on the last pod so you, you have to be kind of all in on the trey young experience right. i think if you want that if you want that at the nba <laughs> level you have to buy into that and you can't try to pigeonhole him elsewhere um okay let's get into contract stuff so i asked you the other day just to kind of come up with a list of the best contracts in the NBA. I left it pretty open-ended, didn't give you too much criteria, uh, and I compiled a list of my own. I'm interested to see how you structured yours. Did you list them 1 to 10? Did you categorize them? How did you go about this? Well, I can give you either just the ones that I think are just the best, or I can break it up and give you the best non-rookie deals or the best Mm -hmm. rookie deals. Like to me, because we were having a hard time deciding this, like, because obviously, if you gonna if you're gonna include rookie deals, that makes up like seven or eight of the top ten. Well, it's like I mean, honestly, what I said to you is if if you're a rookie and you're in the rotation, it's a valuable contract right. because it's a rookie contract. So in that in that uh, okay, vein, I'll just start. I'll just I'll give you my top, however many non rookie deals. Then okay. Uh, so to me, I think Giannis is the best contract in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh. You could debate if there are rookie deals that are better than his, but I mean, I don't, I don't think so. It's he's not at the full max. You know, it goes twenty two, twenty four, twenty five, twenty seven, like that. You're getting at, at least by the time it gets to twenty five, uh, three years from now, you're getting probably the best player in the league. Then you get him again at at twenty seven. 27 million when there's going to be guys making 35 38 million um yep. that aren't close to as good as him and then you know the next two years you get him at 22 24 uh that just gives you such a high floor and it gives you so much room to try to surround him with quality pieces so mm-hmm. to me that's that's the best one uh i think Kawhi leonard he's only got two years left but getting Kawhi at 19 and then 20 is is pretty damn good i mean he's just a a, such a great building block uh because of his two-way potential and that just just go having a guy that should be getting like 30 or whatever had just just that 10 mil gap gives you so much more flexibility uh to build around uh draymond green at 16 17 and then 19 that's just a crazy value i i to me it's interesting whether you'd rather have Kawhi at two years at basically the same price or Draymond at three I'd, I'd rather have Kawhi just because I don't uh there's something like Draymond's body and just his his bad shooting I just worry that there's that when he like loses a little bit of athleticism that the the fall for him might be a bit more steep than it is for other players just because like once he's not as mobile and can't guard Mm -hmm. like one through five basically uh can't protect the rim anymore like can't get out and go and transition anymore then all of a sudden like i don't even know what he is at that point whereas i don't see i I think Kawhi. like over the next two years you're you're still getting a a top five player in the league uh well i'll jump in i have a couple notes on these guys so i i divided mine into three categories elite bargains who are you know top 20 guys who are for the most part making you know, near max money or, you know, big time money at the time they signed the deal, things like that. Uh, young bargains who are basically rookies, first, second year, third year players who are still on their rookie deals. And then just straight up bargains, like kind of bargain bin guys, you know, mostly role players who are just making much less than they should. Uh, but Giannis right now is the 32nd highest paid player in the league. 
and he will not be a top 15 paid player in the league until at least 2020. And that's not factoring in guys like Kawhi and Kyrie, whose contracts will be up and will likely sign an extension Paul that will George. be more expensive than Giannis's. So there's a pretty good chance that over the course of Giannis's four-year, roughly $100 million deal, that he's not even a top 50 or not, top, not even a top 15 or even a top 20 highest paid player over the course of the entire deal. That's insane. Uh, Draymond Green, as you mentioned, he signed five for 82 back in 2015, two more guaranteed years after this. Mm-hmm. He's currently the 64th highest paid player in the NBA, which again is insane. Kawhi Leonard, like you said, $20 million next year, then he has a player option. Kawhi and Kyrie signed literally the exact same contract mm-hmm. uh, a few years back, same dollar figures per year, everything. Um, both of those guys probably declined their player options, right? So they're locked oh, in yeah. through next year, decline, re-sign a long-term right. deal. Um, I had Clay on my list. I'm I sure did you too. Probably he, do as well. Yep. He has one more year at, at just under 19 million, and even next season he'll be the 40th highest-paid player in the league. So I think with Durant taking a discount, Durant's also on my list, by mm-hmm. the way, because he's worth. And and again, we we also should say that. LeBron's not on the list. You know, like any superstar is probably worth double. You know, right. the super superstars are worth double what they're being paid, but that still doesn't necessarily make them a bargain when you're talking salary cap. Um, but I think KD taking a discount has kind of highlighted how the Warriors have been able to put this roster together. We saw all the the contract think pieces over the summer, but I mean, really, it's the deals that they signed Draymond and Clay to. You know, well, then two the, summers ago that have kind of laid the foundation for this, and of course Curry the, too. The Curry, like the they were able to start this dynasty because of the Curry yes. deal, and then now Curry's getting paid, but Draymond and Clay are still getting you know right. ten million less per year than they should. And Durant took a pay cut. Like if at if the all- end of this at the end of this run, they should build a statue of just Curry's ankles outside. <laughs> of if yeah, I mean if if at any point during this run everyone had been getting paid what they should have been getting paid, mm-hmm. then you'd never have the run. <laughs> well, that's how it works. Though. That's how it works right. in any sport, right? right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. well, I think the NBA sure. is maybe a more extreme example of that, Not but in, you see it in the NFL, too. You kind of have to have everything come together. It's like Every sport with a salary cap. Yes. Yeah, yeah of course. Baseball yeah. is no, yeah. no. But, yeah, I mean, in the NFL, it's like, you know, you have to have, you know, teams that win the Super Bowl get contributions from rookies, get contributions from second-year guys because you can't, you know, it's it's borne out in free agency every year. Teams aren't buying like crazy in the NFL because it just doesn't work like that cap-wise. Uh, who else is on your list? So just for – I I had guys like Eton Moore and Alfred Gamino and stuff like that on there. Uh, I, I even had Eric Gordon on there, but I ended up cutting them just because I didn't think they were quite in this tier, but like Kemba Walker – uh, twelve million this year, twelve million next year, and uh, Trevor Ariza are two guys that I think are just gigantic bargains. I think you know comparing Kemba's deal to like say Kyrie's deal. I think I'd rather have Kyrie even at like an extra seven and then an extra eight mil per year. But I could see the case for like if you had. If you were just putting, if you could just start a team from scratch, picking contracts that yeah. were already signed, like that, that gap between those two probably isn't as big as the gap between them as players. Right. And so, I think you obviously want the elite talent over the the slightly not elite talent. But I mean, it's just such a bargain to get a guy right. like Kemba at his age, like right in the middle of his prime, at twelve mil and twelve mil. Yeah, and and numbers like that are kind of skewed because of the cap jump. You know, it's sure. like it had that deal been signed last summer or two summers ago, Kemba wouldn't have signed four for forty eight. But you know, I mean, 
GMs, front offices aren't dumb. They knew the cap spike was coming. You know, they knew, and part of it's just kind of luck as far as when a contract comes up. You know, Kemba didn't, what was he going to do? Sit out for two years and then sign? Um, but to get guys like that at the time, you know, and again, Curry's another one who falls into that category. Um, you know, it, looking back, it's just crazy because the type of guys that are making, you know, over the course of a four-year deal, tens of millions of dollars more than Kemba Walker is. You could you could compile a list of like 40 guys who don't deserve that money. Uh, and we'll get to some of them at, at the end. Uh, let's see. I have Jimmy Butler on mine. His oh, contract is yeah. very similar to Kawhi's. It's, I think, just a little cheaper. So he has just under $19 million next year. That's fully locked in. And then a $19.8 million player option in the summer of 2019, which you would think he would decline, but that's... You know, and if there's an injury or something, that's enough money that maybe he wouldn't. Uh, Oladipo. This is one that has, for me, entered the elite bargain category over the last month. Four years, $84 million. You know, it's not a Kemba contract by any means, but no options, no escalations whatsoever. It's just a straight-up four for 84, and he can't be a free agent until the summer of 2021, which, if you're the Pacers, looks really good. I'm not willing to... I'm just not there yet on him. I know I know he's shooting a lot better than we ever thought he'd shoot, uh, but I don't. I, I want to see it over a full season. A and B, like I think a lot of people still think of him as kind of just this awesome defender who we weren't sure how good of a scorer he'd be, and he's not really that anymore. Like I mean, he's a he's probably a, just an average defender for his position at this point. Um, I think he's having a good year, Andy. Okay. Well, I mean, I I don't know. I think that he's getting paid a, about like if I'm a GM, I'm happy to have him on that deal, but I'm not like doing back clips every day, being like, oh man, look at this crazy contract we've got all the depot on. Like I'm I'm still like, this could go south for us. Like sure. it, it's not a lock to just be this excellent deal for the rest of this. So he signed that extension with the Thunder. Right. That was signed last October, October of 2016. That was four for 85 total. So I think I said 84, but I don't know where the extra 85 comes in because the numbers line up that it's 21 million a year. Anyway, um, the thing like, what if he has, you know, what if he was going to be a free agent this coming summer? You know, what does he sign for then? That's kind of how I look at it. Like they locked him up four for 85. If he has the season he's having now and is hitting free agency this summer, he's easily a hundred million dollar guy, right? whether it's deserved or not, somebody's paying him that money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I just think – I don't think he would – like, you know, when they traded that contract, a lot of people thought that the Pacers were taking on bad money. And right, exactly. like I'm just not willing to, two months into the season, all of a sudden declare that that's a, that's a great deal. Okay. I definitely think he would get that deal or better on the open market today just because, like, we've seen i mean teams are going to pay especially if you're capable of guarding multiple positions on the wing like you're going to get mm-hmm. probably more than you should get like i mean andrew wiggins like yikes yeah. uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i mean i i don't i'm not arguing that it it's a it's a good deal i just i think that it's it's not quite in that crazy bargain okay. area for me Let's let's do our obligatory mention of the young guys who are bargains. So okay, so Jason my, Tatum, my, Mitchell, my, Ben Simmons. Go ahead. My favorites are Jokic. Uh, now they are going to have to really pay up and probably 
do so before they are even obligated to just to kind of satisfy him i i mean i don't know the stipulations on the arenas provision but is he going to be one of those guys he's a second rounder so he's even an even bigger bargain right he's making one million dollars this year basically (laughs) jason tatum's making over six million dollars by comparison so just just based on the life left on that deal it's it's ridiculous so Jokic, i think is like maybe the best maybe the best deal in the nba right now uh donovan mitchell because he wasn't a first overall second overall pick is making three million this right. year three million next well even year, the difference from tatum year. to mitchell is like three right. million dollars yeah crazy and so i mean i think mitchell you I mean you get him four years and never have to pay more than five million a year uh parzingis five million this year six million next year that's pretty crazy uh so like those three are the top three for me and then you have simmons uh six six and eight town six and eight uh i think that's that's probably the top five for me right Right, and again, you know, any productive first, second, third-year player is going to fall into that category, at least in the short term. Of course, there's the long-term obligation. Uh, okay, so here are my my bargain bin guys. So, role players to pretty good players, you know, your Chris Middleton types, who are looking like bargains. So the first one is Tyree Evans. He is under contract for three point three million dollars this year. That ranks two hundred and forty-eighth in the NBA. He right now is eighteenth in value over replacement in the entire NBA. He's 26 in win shares, which for a team that has as few wins as Memphis is insane. And he's top 25 in the league among qualified guys in PER. So he's, I hate to phrase it like this because he won't be, but he's having a borderline all-star caliber year as basically a veteran minimum contract. So I think he, in terms of role players, he's by far been the most value per dollar in the NBA. Uh, The Bucks have a bunch of really good contracts right now. Eric Bledsoe, five for 70 not a massive bargain but 14 and a half mil this year locked in at 15 million next year and then the bucks will have to make that call but for now a nice contract tony snell uh they signed that this past summer four for 46 i think that seemed the number of 46 million seemed like a lot at the time for tony snell but when you look around the league and uh the other guys that are making around that it's about right and he's making less than myers leonard this year and next year and the year after and Tony Snell's playing as well as he has uh, over the second half of last year. And that was kind of the big question mark. And then Chris Middleton, $13 million player option uh, for 2019-2020. But he's under contract for this season. He's under contract for next season. And his contract actually declines in value over those years. So it's a nice 5 for 70 overall is a really nice figure. And then the fact that you know, you're knocking a couple million off that cap figure over the next couple seasons should help Milwaukee a little bit as well. It's really a testament to how bad Jason Kidd is as a coach and how bad yeah. a few of the signings that uh, that John Hammond made on his way out the door were that they have the Bledsoe deal, the Snell deal, the Middleton deal, and the Giannis deal, and they're not just dominating. Like I mean, they should be just clearly in that like Raptors, Celtics – wizards tier to me based on those four players on the on that money alone and yet they're just not really i mean they're they're kind of the clear fifth best team in the east i think but i don't think you could really i mean you wouldn't argue for them over celtics raptors or wizards right now would you no 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 and that, <laughs> no, like it's but, tough it's tough argument but the, thing, the wizards. like you just wonder like i just want to see that team with a different coach uh, and I just want to see like because to me I think the upside should be you know 50 plus win team 
with their core, oh, give, yeah. especially given the year Giannis is having, and they, they might not get there. Yeah, and you know, I was talking to our, our good pal out in the office, KOB, about this earlier, but the Bucks, I wouldn't say they've blown opportunities because it's not like the schedule has been full of cupcakes, but going into Christmas, they lose their last two, or they lose their last game going into Christmas to Charlotte, and then coming out of Christmas, you lose at home by nine to the Bulls uh, on Tuesday night. And now they go through maybe the toughest stretch of the entire season. They get T-Wolves, Thunder, Raptors, Pacers, Raptors, Wizards, Pacers. You get a little bit of a gimme at home against the Magic on January 10th. Then it's Warriors, Heat, Wizards, Heat, Sixers before things ease up a little bit. So this next month is going to be big for the Bucks. I, they have a little bit of wiggle room, you know, the East being as bad as it is and, and just so many kind of blah teams in the middle. You know, it, it's not the end of the world if they if they go – four and 10 over that stretch or whatever. But I think ideally you're looking at that next stretch and obviously players and coaches want to win every game. But if, if you're the bucks, you got to say like, if we can come out of this 500, we'll be in really good shape. Uh, okay. A few other guys I wanted to highlight Alfred Aminu four years, yeah. $30 million. And He's, that's, that's one where people, people ripped it when yeah. it happened. And yeah, I mean the Timberwolves kind of loaded up on too many of those deals, which maybe is the issue, and they have a few bad ones. But the Blazers, the Blazers, yeah. yeah. Well, who did I say? Timberwolves. Oh God, yes, the Blazers. Um, so Aminu's making seven point three mil this year, and that actually de-escalates to six point nine next year. We should probably talk about Jay Crowder. This was the best contract in the league coming into this year, but he's been just disgusting for most of the year. So all of a sudden, it's still a good deal. I mean, five years, thirty-five million for any rotation player is good, but. He's not looking like the player that he was last year. Isaiah Thomas, this one kind of an honorable mention just because he's been so banged up. But in retrospect, a guy who was top five in the MVP last year playing on a four-year, $27 million deal that declines in value each year uh, is unbelievable. He signed that with the Kings. Patrick Beverly and Jonathan Simmons are my last two. Beverly and Simmons on somewhat similar deals. Beverly signed a four for 23 with Houston a couple years back. He's making about five and a half this year. Of course, he's going to miss the rest of the year, so it doesn't look as good. But his contract is non-guaranteed next year, uh, which basically speaks to how how much better he's gotten because at the beginning of this deal, him and his agent were willing to say, we'll take an unguaranteed, not a not a team option, an unguaranteed uh, fourth year on that deal. And now that, you know, assuming he's back to full health, that looks kind of crazy. And the same goes for Simmons. This one is even more puzzling and i'd like to get your opinion on it like did people just think that jonathan simmons was another one of these he's not going to be good and he was only good because he was with the spurs because they didn't bring him back and then he signs what i thought was a way under market contract three for 20 with orlando uh which again is another one of these deals that he's making 6.3 this year and only 6 million which is a small difference but still a de-escalation next year and then it's completely unguaranteed uh for five and a half million in three seasons which if you're him now, you're, you're just kind of glad, I would think, that that's up after two years because <laughs> he's going to make a hell of a lot more money in the summer of 2019 than he would if he, you know, if that third year had been guaranteed at $5.7 I was surprised that that's all that took to get him. Right. Like, and I, I, I was surprised. I was honestly really surprised the Spurs didn't find a way to keep him and just – that other teams like like a Brooklyn or someone like that didn't step in and just kind of roll the dice because right. I feel I felt like he had upside that he had shown but he didn't really 
just being a Spurs player, you sometimes just don't get the minutes mm-hmm. to kind of fully show people what you can do. I, th- I thought that was a really good signing by the Magic. Yeah, it's like had he gotten the Tony Snell money, that would have sounded about right. I mean, Tony Snell before last year was considered basically a mid-first-round bust who was just kind of a throw-in in Chicago and the steal to Milwaukee, and and he ends up being a 40-plus million-dollar guy. And then Simmons, who I guess was slightly more unproven than Tony Snell, but you know was about as effective last year, gets half that and that's you know i guess this is one of the few very good moves that the orlando magic have made in the last like eight years okay we have a couple minutes just to go over the egregiously bad contracts we can't go into too much depth but just give me give me if you put together any sort of list of guys outside of the obvious dang mozgov noah parsons you know who are these other under the radar sneakily bad signings uh i don't have that in front of me um i have a list if you'd like I'll I'll just say before you get to your list that I think you could argue that among the contracts where people are getting paid ten mil a year or more, there are more bad ones than good ones. Like I would have to go through and, and kind of do do the math on that, but just as I was kind of scrolling through, it just felt that way and it felt like a lot of these players, you know, you obviously have the unmovable ones that you're talking about. But just a lot of just generally like bad ones and a lot of one I mean there it's surprising how many there are where the guy's like legit out of the league and still getting paid, yep. you know. Uh like your Pekoviches and Chris yeah. Bosch. I mean, that's a specific circumstance and everything. Right. But like um I mean it's just you got to be careful out there, yeah. you know, and and the worst ones are always the guys like your Evan Turners and your Mirza Toledoviches, where it's just there was no scenario where this guy was ever going to ever be a top three or four player on a, on a really good team. Like mm-hmm. best case scenario, you're getting like a decent role player. You shouldn't be paying those guys. Like you're right. supposed to find those guys and then let them walk when another team decides to offer them that 12 million, $13 million yeah. a year. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of rare, I think to, to, for one of those deals to work out, you know, in retrospect where every, like the Evan Turner deal, was like, what are they doing? And it's worked out about like you'd expect. It's not like Evan Turner's been a bust. He plays 30 minutes a game, but he's not worth whatever they're paying him, 18 mil a year. Uh, I had Yamahimi on that list, and due in large part to the fact that not only is he being paid like six times what he should be paid, the Wizards could really use that money elsewhere because they would be a much bigger factor in the East if they just had at least one more bench player. You know, if, if they're not paying 16 mil a year to Mahimi, you could pay 16 mil to another really good player or split it up and pay 8 mil to two other good players. And that deal has really handicapped them. Both Plumleys are overpaid. Brandon Knight, who I kind of forgot about because it seems like he hasn't played in forever. He's not playing this year with an ACL. He's got like three more years at close to 20 mil. Solomon Hill, another contract in New Orleans that's kind of prevented them from making moves. They have a few of those. And I don't like to bash the Spurs, of course, because they've been the model for handing out good deals. But both Patty Mills and, Mar- and Pau Gasol are kind of head scratchers, and you you got to give the Spurs the benefit of the doubt. But Patty Mills was a weird one. This is usually the time that the Spurs would part ways with a guy like that, and instead they kind of doubled down, and now he's their backup who plays like twenty one minutes a night. I, I don't really understand what the future is with that one. They the Spurs are kind of almost beyond reproach for me when it comes to contracts like that. Uh, they really really value uh 
you know, locker room chemistry. They value diversity. Like they, they like getting guys from different backgrounds. I think Patty Mills has long been a absolute favorite of, of Popovich's and, and RC Buford's and they wanted to find a way to keep him around. Uh, and I just don't, and like, I mean, it was hard to kind of figure out what they were doing with that LaMarcus Aldrich uh, extension before the season. And so far he's playing he's as, good. as good as he's ever played. And, mm-hmm. and then I, you just, you have guys like Patty Mills, all these, all down the line, like Kawhi Leonard's out and there's still clearly a top four team in the league. I mean, it's just, it's hard for me to question exactly what they're doing, but yeah, Patty Mills, just looking at the dollars and the production, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of confusing. Okay. This was fun. We'll have to do this again next time, uh, next year, I should say. We'll be back after the new year. Uh, Going to talk some MVP odds, some Rookie of the Year odds when we get back next week. But have a happy new year. Hope everyone had a good Christmas, and we'll be back next Thursday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.